0: Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We are ably produced by one Brian Neal, musical producer. That music you hear is from my son, Sam Brandt. Got a great special edition of the podcast this week. You're going to hear a couple rants from me about things going on out there. And then we're going to bring in Malcolm Jenkins of the New Orleans Saints, well-known figure in the NFL for so many years with the Saints, then the eagles and now back with the saints he's got a new venture i'm gonna not tell you right now you got to listen it is amazing what he's doing right now outside of football in another world of football something they call football in different places we'll get to that in a minute we're sponsored all as always by DraftKings, and i want to get to my first rant it's about ben simmons yes the nba starts tonight actually it started last night i'm recording this on wednesday But it it starts for the Philadelphia 76ers tonight without one Ben Simmons. For those of you who haven't followed, offseason didn't want to be here. Uh, Word from his agent, he'll never set foot in Philadelphia, where I'm coming to you from. But lo and behold, the Sixers took advantage of the contract. So the contract said that he gets quarterly installments of his money, $33 million, $8.25 million every quarter. The 8.25 he got this summer, that's his, then an 8.25 million due October. The Sixers said, hey, we're gonna take that 8.25 million, we're gonna keep it as a fund for any fines or suspension amounts that you incur, and they kept it in escrow. Advantage Sixers, so lo and behold, guess who shows up last week? Ben Simmons, who said he'd never play in Philadelphia. That's the easy part. Then they get into practice, And Simmons is non-engaged and Simmons is acting like he doesn't want to be there and Simmons doesn't go in the drills and he is sent home and suspended for tonight's opening game against the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, my insight into this is really the fact that Simmons does not have leverage here. I know people say he's going to be a pain in the ass until the Sixers trade him and he's going to force a trade and he's going to manage this situation. Well, the problem is He's got four years left on his contract. This is not a free agent. So Ben Simmons has to deal with the fact that he's got, they've got his money and he's got four years left on his contract. That's where it gets difficult. Now he's hoping that he's enough of a pain in the, you know what, to cause enough angst for the Sixers to trade him. I just think they're gonna wait until they get the right deal. Everybody smells blood in the water right now around the league with the Sixers to try to get Ben Simmons. So they'll probably wait, and he'll sit. Now, can he play this game day after day? Will he get suspended beyond tonight's game? We're going to find out. But I think it's advantage Sixers. Uh, Daryl Morey is just as stubborn as Rich Paul, the agent, the mastermind behind the Simmons plan. As And he's stubborn. He's probably not going to take a deal. that's anything short of a real quality impact player and some draft picks maybe. He's continuing to ask for the world, and why not? Ben Simmons is three-time All-Star day at 25, I know he's got his shortcomings, but this is really set up as an interesting proposition in the business of basketball going on right now. Do superstars have more power than other sports? Absolutely. I've just got four years left. You know, I recall telling my boys, my, my sons are big Sixers fans. A couple of years ago, like dad, dad, Ben Simmons signed for five years. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that. He's a different cat. And here we are. Rich Paul, who's, By the way, dating Adele, that's quite a power couple. Seems to want Simmons in a different place. Simmons seems to want to be in a different place. We'll see how it goes. But again, leverage and advantage to the Sixers as far as I see it right now. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their business and help them achieve even greater success, because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network working for everyone. My second rant goes about college football. The head coach at Washington State University is no longer Nick Rolovich, the highest paid employee at Washington State, one of the highest paid employees in Washington State. Refused to get vaccinated throughout the early part of the season, and then a state mandate came out saying you must be vaccinated to work at the state uh, institution. And of course, he was terminated. What's interesting about this is he was terminated for cause, meaning that the Washington State University millions left on that contract, they do not owe that financial obligation, at least they're taking that position and you know what's going to happen, has already happened. According to reports today, there are lawyers. So we've got a fight brewing about a coach and four assistants, by the way, that refuse vaccination. And this is not so much the NFL or NBA, because you've got two bigger things going on here. Number one, you have an educational institution that's mandating vaccines. Just as I work at Villanova, I have to be vaccinated to teach students at Villanova. Number two, you have a state mandate from the state of Washington. So what we see here is we've got issues with Nick Rolovich refusing to be vaccinated. I'm sure he's going to argue that it's personal choice, that he was taking precautions with his players and coaches, and he should be at least compensated even though he was fired and it's pro-choice, et cetera. We'll see. To me, this will come down as a lawyer to documentation. Was he warned? Was it in writing? Was he especially warned this could happen at this date after the October 15th mandate from the state? All those kind of things. I think it's a fascinating study and it points out what we're dealing with on a lesser scale and the NFL where players like Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, et cetera, have continued to be unvaccinated and seem to be doing okay with their teams. And then in the NBA, of course, Kyrie Irving, who is not part of the Brooklyn Nets, even though he's being paid for away games, because they've refused to make him part of the team, even though they're going to pay him. So this vaccination issue continues to crop up everywhere. This Nick Rolovich, the former now coach of Washington State, out and more importantly, out without a contract that continues financially because he refused to get vaccinated. This is one to watch in the business of sports. What's going to be his argument to get paid? What kind of authority does the state have to fire him? And again, it comes down to documentation warnings. And the legality from my viewpoint seems to be on the side of management again, just like with the Sixers, the side of Washington State University and the state mandate behind it, giving it more power. Okay. You know, October, fall car care month. AutoZone has the products to show your car you care. It's always a good time to upgrade anything visibility related. Now's probably the best time. You got winter weather ahead and AutoZone has the right parts for you to prep for this winter season. If you're dealing with dull headlights, they've got replacement lights to help you brighten up the road. If you're driving late at night, it might be old or dirty wiper blades. They have replacement wipers. Clear your windshield during rain, sleet or slow, and you know it's coming. Cut through fog with a pair of new fog lamps. Remember to replace your headlights in pairs. All these things you can do for October, which is Car Care Month at AutoZone. So stay safe on this fall Car Care Month. Visit your nearest AutoZone or head to AutoZone.com to start your job today. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Okay, now as promised, I'm going to bring in Malcolm Jenkins to the podcast. You know him, one of the best safeties in the nfl for so long and also one of the bit more more thoughtful thinkers in the nfl we've heard him in a lot of issues relating to players and social causes and player relations with the nfl throughout the years he's got a new venture announced today wednesday october 20th i want to bring him in to talk about it and we'll ask about all the other things going on in the nfl as well so without further ado this- New Orleans Saints safety, Malcolm Jenkins. You've been on this podcast before. I always enjoy talking to you. And I don't know if I refer to you as Malcolm Jenkins or Ted Lasso today. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what I'm going to I'm going to give you the floor here rather than me spoil the surprise for our listeners. Tell me this new investment. you just Okay. Made.
1: Yeah. So, so this latest investment uh, has been into AOK Capital, uh, which is the majority holder of the Burnley Football Club. Uh, so, and they're in the Premier League out in the UK. So I'm officially one of the minority owners of Burnley Football Club.
0: So you now are so Premier sort League. Of, sort of
1: Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: How did how'd this come about? How did you become an investor into Burnley in the Premier League?
1: Yeah, it started really with the chairman, Alan Pace, and his group at AOK Capital. Uh, we've done some business with uh, them and some other ventures, whether it's uh, franchises here in the States, and so they recently you know, took over the the team and we had a few conversations kind of joking around like, Hey, the next time you buy a team, let us know. Uh, and that really snowballed into fruition actually. Um, and in the same way that the NFL is investing into trying to expand their market to the UK and around the world, uh, I think the premier league is finally really starting to understand that they are the number one sports league in the world um, and are trying to do more investing in, in, um, marketing and branding stateside and so there was an opportunity for us uh to you know come in and and we looked at burnley and their team and their in the history of that club uh it was it was really an exciting venture for us especially in aligning what you know who i'm about and malcolm Mank, which is my business uh my holding company that made the investment you know we look for uh strategic you know partners and and burnley the players you know they are socially conscious. They've taken a knee before all their matches. They've been very, very vocal about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the support of it, as well as the the ownership group. And so it just aligned, really, in all levels for us. Uh, it made sense to, to make that investment.
0: Were you a Premier League follower? Do you know a lot about English soccer? Has this something that's been an interest of yours for a while?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm actually new to the sport. It's not something that, not a sport I followed, you know, uh regularly, but, you know, like anything, we look for good opportunities. Uh and and obviously now I'm very, very much attuned to what's going on and paying attention to, to the Premier League. But no, soccer, I've always grown up playing American football and track and field. Uh and so this was this was an interesting uh in, endeavor for me, but sports is sports and I know, you know, what sports can do to communities. I've been on teams like the Saints, the 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 Eagles that have, you know, been really those cornerstones of the communities and Burnley the same way. Uh, And so a lot of those things, you know, that I'm still kind of learning the game, but the core principles of, of why we wanted to be a part of this are very much familiar to me.
0: So will you be a passive investor or will you get involved? I mean, you knowing sports so well and you being an athlete, will you get involved in any of the player movement Obviously, you're not an expert on the talent level over there in terms of which players. But in terms of front office management, any involvement there?
1: No, I, I don't. I, I don't really have a lot of interest in in getting involved in player, you know, movement and uh, the the day to day of what the team is doing. But when it comes to you know, especially how to bring the Burnley brand or the Premier League brand here to the states and really. Uh, amplify that, what that team is doing, the, the principles and the ethos of the team, um, that I am um, having a voice, you know, and it, it wasn't one of those things where I just wanted to put my money into something and, and walk away from it. I wanted to be able to be engaged, uh, not only with the on- the ownership group, but the, the entire club. I don't need to be a GM or anything like that. They, they've got people that, that do that for a living. Um, but as far as the building of the brand, the messaging, what uh, Burnley in the Premier League means to the world. Um, that part I'm very, very interested in. And, and understanding too, you know, from my own legacy, what it looks like to have people of color in spots, of, in, in play, seats of ownership. Very used to seeing us be on the field, playing, scoring, doing all those things, but rarely do you see us uh, in the position to be in ownership. And I think that that and it's, in and of itself, to me, is a message that, you know, I hope or an example that I hope people, um, you know, look like me around the world are able to see and see themselves or see this as an opportunity for themselves as well.
0: Yeah, I was going to hit on that. I, I think that's a great point you just made. As far as I know, and you may know more than I do, there are some players that have investments in other teams. I know Aaron Rodgers with the Milwaukee Bucks, or some would say the Chicago Bears, <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, <laughs> You know, I think Russell Wilson is an investor maybe in one of the soccer clubs here, the MLS. I know Kevin Durant's an MLS investor too, but do you know if you're the first active players to invest? And, and of course in in the Premier League we have the Glazer family who owns the Bucs with Manchester United. We have uh, Stan Kroenke who owns the Rams with Arsenal. We have Shad Khan who owns the Jaguars with Fulham. But... Uh, are you the only player investor in Premier League that we're aware of yes' I'm, I'm the
1: only active NFL player that's invested into the Premier League. The only other athlete that I'm, that I know of that's in the Premier League is LeBron James and so I know there's you know but there's, there's a there, you're starting to see more and more of it and Serena Williams is invested into a soccer club uh, It's not the Premier League but um, one of the, one of those leagues. You have uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's with the, the Suns, you know, so you're starting to see players transition, uh, and specifically those, those African-American players who transition from not only being, you know, on the field, but being in places of ownership. And the cool part about it to me that I think um, is, is really important is that doing it while you're still an active athlete. Oftentimes, you know, athletes wait till they're done playing football to try to think about what they want to do next or how they see themselves in the next phase of life. And oftentimes it's too late. You've lost all your social capital. Nobody really cares who you are. Um, So to capitalize on all of these things while you're still actively playing, um, to me, sets great examples for this next generation of athletes of how to think differently about, you know, their sport, their bodies, their careers and what they want to do after uh, their career is over.
0: You know, you're going to find, if you haven't already, it's a different world over there in terms of, uh, you know, I'm an expert and you're somewhat of an expert, too, on the business of the NFL, which is very, I kind of call it law and order. You've got a salary cap, you've got a draft, you've got free agent regulations where you can't move except for after a certain number of years in the league. Different over there, Malcolm, you know, there's, uh, yeah, all the different agents long- <laughs> there's no salary cap, there's no draft, you know you're I'm sure you're learning already it's gonna be a different kind of ownership over there
1: oh yeah it's it's you know renting players to other clubs and relegation, all of these different things you know that that are way different than the operations of the n f l um but you know it's it, like anything that it works for for them right and uh and that's that's some of the stuff I'm not trying to be in the weeds in when it comes to the the day to day transactions, but it is interesting to see the, the the really contrasted the the business models of the premier League and you know the league that I'm currently in in the NFL.
0: yeah and speaking of that, my last question about Burnley is. There was, as you know, I'm sure, this past, I don't know if it was six months ago, the Super League discussion. So some of the top teams from Spain, Italy, and of course the Premier League banding together in some kind of Super League. And as soon as it happened, if you remember, fan outrage, Twitter outrage, everything outrage. all of a sudden it's not happening, which I guess is very good for a team like Burnley to continue playing the Manchester United's and the Liverpool's and the Arsenal's and not having to deal with, Oh, they're in the Super League. We're just in the Premier League.
1: Yeah. I mean, Burnley is, you know, is a long history of being a Premier League, being one of those clubs that, you know, has a long tradition of competing against the best. Um, And so I'm glad that, you know, that we can continue that long tradition. And especially you realize that these fan bases, are very, very tied to their ball clubs right their soccer clubs, and the same way the saints and fans are tied to the saints and the Eagles fans are tied to what they' do, these clubs are, are the cornerstones oftentimes of their communities, um, and so to be able to keep you know that sense of pride intact, those long traditions intact, uh, I think are very important.
0: Yeah, I think this is so great. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a couple of things about what's going on. Uh, You and I have been on this, I had you on this podcast a couple years ago, well, three or four years ago, talking about the reaction to not only Kaepernick, but social issues around the league. Uh, And I haven't talked to you since the whole George Floyd and and everything that's happened the past couple of years. Just a general sense, Malcolm, what do you, how do you rate or what do you think of the NFL's handling of social causes in the past couple of years, with the, what's on the end zones and the back of the helmets, and have they done enough? Have they responded to the challenges from years ago and what was raised by yeah. initially Kaepernick? Yeah,
1: right. Well, I think we see a—it's a, almost night and day—the type of conversations that are being had around social justice. Right when Colin Kaepernick first took a knee it it was a very divisive thing and and the stance from ownership in the nfl was one that was a little that was combative right and and now we're at a place where they've i think moved to a much more progressive message you see the the end zones the inspired change the marketing they have put a lot um of, of money and resources to elevating um the you know the voices of you know, the social justice movement and their players specifically, the ones who were leading those efforts. But I think, you know, it's it's almost everybody's doing that. You can look at every major corporation really in America and it's almost, if you don't have some kind of progressive messaging, then you're the outlier. So it's, it's harder to really uh, gauge what exactly, you know, you're doing to actually help the cause. And so one of the things that I always look at is what does is your, your leadership look like? If you wanna have in any organization, any team or anything, you wanna change the culture of that team, you need to change the culture of its leadership. And I think when you still look at the fact that there uh, are, I think, less than three or three or less of uh, black head coaches in the league, the same as it's been over the last few decades, they haven't made any changes in that, the same with the GM position and even more so in ownership. And so I think until we begin to see a diversity in those real, you know, leadership positions in the NFL, then a lot of those, the things that we're seeing, you know, are, are great messages. They're great, you know, it's great pageantry, um, but as far as the interior culture of the NFL, um, it has to it has to start with change at the top, which is why you know opportunities like that I'm taking with uh, the Burnley uh, Burnley is important. You need those diverse voices to be in, a point of, in in positions of leadership in order to change a culture. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we haven't seen much of that yet from the NFL.
0: Yeah, and we're now still feeling the effects of what was released last week. I know you guys were on a bye week. I don't know how much you're paying attention, but the whole, no. the John Gruden emails from 10 years ago uh, with the homophobia and the racism about Demore Smith, but also just sort of a general tone where I think you probably felt like beyond even the content but the feeling that it's OK to sort of put this out there uh, between people and sort of exchange this over public communication. You know, I guess your reaction to that and also the fact that, you know, do we feel like we're seeing the end of this? These are things I talk about beyond this podcast. Um, should we see more what's really going on with the Washington football team? I, what as a player and a player leader, what was your reaction to that last week?
1: Uh, I wasn't really surprised. And and, and honestly, I was, I'm was. i worried that we will focus all the attention on John Gruden, the person. Uh, and, and I think, you know, and and I understand it. We, a lot of people, myself included, had a lot of respect for John Gruden. He's somebody who contributed a ton to our game, you know, well-respected. So to see that, you're very, very disappointed. Um, but to focus on Gruden would be a disservice really to the, the – the issue, that's just you know a symptom of the of the problem. The biggest thing is that there was a culture in which he can communicate the, like that openly, and nobody raises a red flag. Nobody said anything. It was actually okay. And to me, so that's that's really the problem is that we're still existing in a in a culture that <laughs> behind the scenes this is the dialogue, and we don't really get a chance to see behind that. We we know that the results are that there's a lack of diversity in and coaches that you know we've seen the uh race norming that players were going through with the healthcare system where they are trying to get benefits when they retire there's all these symptoms that we like to point at and i think this was the first time we get to really see behind the veil when you you know we see that this is how the leadership of the nfl has been talking and been okay with talking um you know for a long time and Uh, So I think the biggest thing is I hope that people continue to put pressure on the league to really make changes in leadership. Um, We need to have a a change in leadership, a diversity in leadership if you want to change the culture. Otherwise, everything else is just feel good branding that, you know, uh, makes us feel okay about watching the game. But it actually doesn't change the, the, you know, the culture inside of the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, that begs the question, Malcolm. Uh, my last question for, I know we got, we both got to go. The, when you talk about leadership, I look at you as a potential leader beyond, beyond your career on the field. So I wonder if you have those aspirations. We know that you're going to be a Burnley owner, a <laughs> part owner, uh, after football, after your career ends with the Saints or with a, a, any other team. What about your aspirations after football in terms of player leadership or leadership outside of football? I'm just sort of curious.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I think when you talk about aspirations, you know, I would love for there to be black ownership in the NFL. And if that doesn't come to fruition, then, then really what I would like is for there to be a, a separate league. If we're talking aspirations because the league is made up 70% of black bodies. All right, so this billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company is being you know, made off the backs of black bodies. And yet when you look at the ownership of it, it doesn't have the, the, the we don't have any black owners. Um, and so I think that that scale needs to tip at some point in time where the amount of money that's being made is actually shared equally amongst those who are making them. Uh, you know, we, we get caught up in how big the dollars are and we say oh well these players are getting paid you know tons of money they're fine but when you really think about it from an equity standpoint and all of uh the things that are you know happening there is so much money still being made off the backs uh, of black and brown folks that, that don't see you know a fraction of what's coming um from the league so either either we need more black owners or we need another league that that has black ownership
0: Malcolm Jenkins, new part owner, first active NFL players and investor in the Premier League, Malcolm Ted Lasso
1: Jenkins.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being with me as always on The Business of Sports. You've been a repeat visitor. I'll have you again soon, I hope. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed that visit with Malcolm Jenkins, not only talking about his investment in Burnley in the Premier League, but also issues relating to players, leadership and social causes. And interesting thoughts on a future active role, maybe not even the NFL, maybe another league. Hope you enjoyed it. That'll do it for this week's edition of The Business of Sports. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, Instagram, Andrew Brandt2, Clubhouse ADB719. Always my Saturday, sorry Sunday 7 newsletter. Sign up at Andrew Brandt.com. You can hear me. I'll hear me with Ross Tucker. But always listen to this podcast, Apple Podcast rankings and comments. Really appreciate it if you could do that. Thanks to my producer, Brian Neal, my music producer, Sam Grant, the music you hear behind us. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Grant.